Yeah, I'm really surprised how well that RTX voice works. I, know. I can't hear the AC anymore. <laughs> it just reminds me of that one video that went viral on Twitter right when the thing was announced where the guy was just like sitting with a hammer smacking it on his desk with a fan right next to him <laughs> and a stereo behind him. And he's just like, this is fucking wild. Why can't anybody hear <laughs> this? It's like perfectly yeah. clear. I'm pretty sure it heard the first clap, but after that, it wasn't hearing them anymore. Um, we also have a quieter AC in here now. Um, we had a, our old one, but then it stopped uh, giving out cold air for some reason, so we had to put in a different one. Did you ever clean the filter? No. Oh, that was probably why. <laughs> most most uh, AC units have like a, a panel that you can slide out the side, like portable ones. And oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it fills up with gunk and grime over time. And if you're running it like 24-7, it'll fill up real quick. And then they get jammed. It's kind of like a dryer. It's like if you have a dryer and you never clean out the dryer lint, then oh your dryer will stop working. Sue Boy's family or is so bad about fire. doing that. Yeah. Well, pork on every, okay, every time I go to dry stuff, I will like open it up and it will be like a blanket. I uh, once stayed in an Airbnb for a convention and they had a, an in-suite washer dryer and I did my laundry and I put it in the dryer and I ran it. It came out and it was still wet. I was like, what the hell? So I checked the thing. It was like it was pulling out this dryer lint and dryer lint and dryer lint and dryer <laughs> lint and dryer lint. Uh, like like um, a magician pulling yeah. a Where you're just, like, scarves pulling out, of a hat. out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never guess how much dryer lint I pulled out of it. Crazy amounts. That's the mystery. It is in fact a mystery. But what isn't a mystery is that this is episode 27 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, uh, airing uh, 24th of July 2022, just a couple days before our game jam, which is starting on the 29th. If you'd like to sign up for that, there's a link down in the description. I'm blind and I'm hosting, and I'm joined by War Jess today. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, actually. I slept well. I got some stuff done earlier, made it to a meeting, had food, I'm here. That's a win all around. <laughs> I cleaned my entire bathroom because my uh, parents are coming over to use it in, uh, for, for like bathing purposes in uh, an hour and 20 minutes um, because their bathroom is currently under renovations, so they don't have one. So uh, we're kind of under a time constraint here, but Suey's also here joining us for the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. How are you doing today in the hot weather? I am doing good. It doesn't seem too, too hot today. Um, for the past week, my lymph nodes have felt kind of tender, and I think they're better today. Uh, TBA. TBA. <laughs> so feeling kind of sick? Not the best? Yeah. I've been gotcha. feeling kind of sick, but I have more of a voice today so far so hopefully that continues having a voice yeah. is generally a pretty valuable thing in this industry <laughs> yeah you uh, know i've been like talking really quietly and like when i'm not streaming like doing all i can to uh rest so that i can get streams in yeah i didn't quite lose my voice but when i got COVID a couple weeks ago while camping i had such a sore throat that i actually ended up Sort of losing my voice as well. I was whispering on stream. <laughs> Usually when I lose my voice, it's just because I've been self-medicating too much, but that's just a me problem. You asked about the weather, and I'm just clicking through the prediction for the next week. Next week 
for the U.S. And I'm like, oh my gosh, heat wave gone. It's going to be gone. Guess who's getting the heat wave next week? Have fun. Yeah, it's supposed to be like 36 to 38 this in like four days, which is great because it's right after I get back from camping. I'm going camping this weekend, walking up the pointy hill again. Looking forward to it. Going to sleep in snow. It's going to be great. It's actually really nice, like, camping on snow when it's above freezing the entire time because, like, there's multiple meters of snow, and it takes, like, like three months for it all to melt off over the summer. And so you go up there, and it's like, oh, hey, it's, like, winter again. And, like, there's all this nice cold air coming off the snow. It's, it's lovely. It's, like, 20 degrees Celsius up there, like, you know, like 70 Fahrenheit, and it's, like, just this icy snow everywhere. It's wonderful. Oh, that sounds really nice, actually. It's great until you realize that all of that snow is a breeding ground for bugs, but, you know. Really? What? Oh, yeah. You want to see flies? You want to see mosquitoes the size of your face? We got that. That's why you wear a bug net and put on bug spray. You're fine. They just kind of cloud around you. You have, like, a forest field. Then the sun goes down, and they all go away. I know. I'm not going to go there now. Like, before, I was just like, I'll do that. Sounds sick. But now, no, I'm good. I hate bugs. I hate them so much, man. Then never go camping. Dude, I couldn't even play Grounded. You know, the game that came out, that survival game that was huge, but, like, you were tiny and, like, there are bugs everywhere. I couldn't play it. I tried the demo, and the ants freaked me the heck out, dude. I could not handle it. Well, I mean, the ants aren't bigger than a house. I have a, actually, I have a question. This is anime as hell. Have you ever played Earth Defense Force? I've seen it. I refuse to touch it. But you get a rocket launcher to take to the ants, and they all fly I away. I don't exploding. care. I, I don't care. <laughs> what what I if do you not have a rocket launcher that will shoot bugs. a rocket big enough to take out an entire city just to kill one ant? Seeing them in the first place makes me very uncomfortable. I don't want to play a game that has them in it. Man. Then there's me. I just, I like bugs. Bugs are wonderful. Because we'd all be dead without bugs. Like, I, I get that. But at the same time, I also live somewhere where there's, like, black widows and stuff, too. We There's great, ticks though. up the mountain, which is part of the reason why you wear bug spray. What's great, though, is we have field roaches, and they're, like, uh, they're mostly outside. It's rare they come inside. But, um, like, they'll be all by the front porch uh, of the house, and so what's really fun is at night when they're out to just go there and crunch. They just chill them, though. It, but Are it, you but saying it, that you're stepping on them? They're <laughs> existing? I mean, if they're in your house, I understand. But if they're outside, like, let, live well, and let so you live. Go, you go into their house and step on them? Yeah, you're, you're the home invader here. No, they're like, <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm I mean, not like, winning what? this argument. I should just, I should just, nope. No, no. Like last night, I, I was hanging out with my neighbor at like eleven thirty at night, and we were just watching this like slug that was like I don't know the size of your hand, just like slowly going along the park along the concrete. We're just like staring at. It. We're like, should we kill it? We were just like kind of talking back and forth about whether or not we should kill it. And eventually, we just kind of opted that we were going to take it and go put it in the garden for the building next door, and they can deal with it. So, pick, took a little <laughs> tiny hand shovel and like shoveled this slug up, and then carried it all the way across to the to the neighboring building's garden because we have beef with them for varying reasons and put it in their garden. Like, here, go <laughs> eat their flowers. Yep, the, the neighbor feud. Yep. I love it. Take slug. Take slug, put it in their garden. Deal with it. Well, because they, <laughs> they walk all their dogs over to our garden and let their dogs pee in our garden. 
and there isn't enough people in our building to, like, fight back. Also, they have signs everywhere that say, no dog pee, children at play, which is true because it's a, a, a there's a playground over there. We don't have a playground. We just have some grass. So the result is our grass is always dead because dogs pee on it and then it dies and because people are too lazy to, you know, walk their dogs. Um, so the result is um, we have unnecessary beef with the neighbors <laughs> because, you know, life's boring without a little bit of beef, right? I mean, yeah. Speaking of life being boring, life is also boring with no video games. So I think we're going to jump to a real quick break here. And when we return, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this past week and a bit. And there's going to be a lot of stray talk, probably. Back right after this. Hello, everybody. I'm FG. FG Squared over on Twitch.tv. I play a wide variety of games Mondays through Fridays, starting at 9 a.m. BST, which is 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central European time. So come on over and check me out. See you soon. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency podcast. These are the games that we've been playing this past week. My name is Blind. I'm still hosting, and I'm joined by Jess and Sui. Anybody want to take something for the start here? Or should I just pick one? Maybe just pick. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jess, do you want to talk to us about Return of the Obra Dinn? Uh, see, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to start. <laughs> which is why I said you pick. I picked but the yeah, first can, one on the list. I can talk about it. It is actually the first thing on the list. Um, so this past week, I think this started like last weekend. I was watching a YouTube video. And in this YouTube video, it was a breakdown of how the the game, The Return of the Oberdin, was made. And I started watching the first few minutes of it, and the, um, the person who was narrating the video said, if this at all sounds interesting, just pause the video and go buy it right now. And I was just like, okay, I will. I'll go buy it right now. It's a lot of homework. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I was pleasantly surprised. So if you don't know what the Return of the Oprah Den is, it is a first-person mystery adventure. But it's in this crazy one-bit monochrome style, like super reminiscent of like old Macintosh, old Macintosh computers. And it's just one massive logic puzzle. So basically you are, I think you are an insurance collector. I think, I think that's what you are, an insurance collector. And you have to find out what happened to 60 people who died or disappeared on a ship in, like, the 1800s, early 1800s. Uh, to do this, you have this mystical pocket watch that can transport you to the instant of someone's death, where you can hear the last few things said in their life, and then you get a still of the exact moment they died. And you have to use just these clues to deduce how everyone on the ship perished. And you don't have to, like, you can solve a couple and then call that good enough and end the game. But me and Celentre played, and we solved everything. And it was just, like, the best. I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm totally not listening to the soundtrack right now. The soundtrack is so good. <laughs> Did you play Papers, Please? No. But okay. now I really want to, because it's also a Lucas Pope game. Yeah. So, Papers, Please is, like, probably in my top ten favorite games of all time. I'm not, I'm not, so I never finished it, but, like, I got pretty far into it and played it quite a bit. I actually, the version of it that I own was before it was on Steam, because um, I, I can't even remember what platform I bought it on, but it was on some, like, di other platform which doesn't exist. Anymore. I think it was Desura, actually. Um, some other non-Steam platform. 
Um, and so I, I, I played the heck out of that and I loved it. And Eric Pope has been one of those people that's like, okay, I'm going to follow this guy through the industry. Cause like, he's clearly got some ideas. Right. Um, and then Return of the Oberdin came out and I was like, oh, that looks cool. Or like the demo did originally on itch, which came out maybe a year before the full game came out. And it's possibly the worst motion, motion sickness I've ever gotten from a video really? game. Really? Yeah. Um, I wanted to throw up within a couple of minutes of playing the demo and none of those problems got fixed by, with the, um, full release so uh just due to narrow fov and a few other things um if he's added an fov slider since i i i'm unaware but uh, at least at launch it was unplayable but i proceeded to sit down and watch the entirety of a, a youtuber who i know play through the entire thing um which was fine and it's a fascinating little game yeah it's it's just so unique I, i'm like i'm so taken with it <laughs> yeah i just wish i could too. erase my memory of the game and play again. Yeah. And there's just, uh, from my understanding, nothing else like it. No, there really isn't. The, the interesting thing about Lucas Pope is like, I've, I've listened to him on a couple podcasts over the years and he always basically just says that he just gets an idea for a video game and he just starts obsessing over it and he has no idea if it's going to be fun or not. Like with Papers, Please, he, he didn't realize that he was making a politi piece of political commentary until after the game was done and people told him it was political commentary. And he's like, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I guess so. Crap. Um, hmm interesting <laughs> um and then th this was a kind of a similar thing where he's just like yeah it's a period piece he's like i was obsessing over master and commander and like uh the pirates of the caribbean movies and was reading a lot of treasure island and i just kind of wanted to make something like that and so i just kind of figured out like well i can make a mystery game it'd be like an old point and click well i can make it look like an old game and it's just kind of like it just kind of becomes a thing and then he's just like well i'm just gonna release it and hope people like it um but you know he's clearly got a lot of ideas as to what he's doing and Definitely an innovative character in indie game development. Yeah, so I, I read that it was originally supposed to be a much smaller game, but it ballooned, and here we are. But I kind of was like, oh, I really hope that he's working on some sort of sequel. <laughs> Who knows what he's working on? He's working on something. He's not. He, he's working on, actually, an exclusive for the play date. Oh, really? I wonder, yeah, actually, I wonder if I, that's out already. I think it might be. Because my, my, my playdate arrives this next week. That's confirmed. Let me, <laughs> let me look it up. I can't wait. Um, While Jess looks that up, Suey, you want to talk about Power Wash Simulator? Yeah, so it just came out in full release lately, Power Wash Sim did. And uh, I like happened to get a review key. And then I started streaming it. And I haven't stopped streaming it. Um, Let me check streaming. how many hours <laughs> I have on it. Huh? Streaming. Ha. Ha ha. Ha. Water. Yep. I see what you're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, it's it's Power Wash Simulator. Power Wash Simulator is one of those games where I look at it as somebody who's spent many, many, many hours being paid to pressure wash sidewalks and roads and concrete and walls. Power washing stuff in real life sucks. It's one of those things where like you look at it and you're like, that looks like it would be really fun and satisfying. Actually, it's it's hot. It smells like poison. Like you practically need a gas mask to do it safely because the bleach you're using is so corrosive and unpleasant. Um, it hurts from the spray back. And it's really neat kind of seeing like gamifications of real life jobs that are like made a lot lighter and bouncier than the actual yeah. reality. I've never found a release date. I would avoid it if you get any opportunity. What's the release date, Jess? Whenever. Whenever. 
Yep. But it is called Mars After Midnight. It is a small one-bit game for the playdate. So, Sui, with with Power Wash Simulator, did you <laughs> um, did 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 you play it throughout early access at all, or have you only no. like so so you have was, like very little experience of the the pre-release version? Yeah, no, I was just given a key and told, "Hey, want to check this out? It's out in full release." I'm like, "Sure." Um, I have 24 hours in it now, and I've been playing it for like a week. Um, and that's just on stream. I've been doing like nine hour streams because I'm just having a great time. Like. Because the thing about Power Wash Sim is it's really chill. So your conversation with chat can just be so fun. And then also, like, so what we've been doing, it was recommended by someone in chat, um, is at the beginning of each new one, we look for any large surfaces. And then we go ahead and play Hangman on it before I clean it up. And it's just, it's a fun time, man. So you're, you're talking about this very specifically from like, I'm streaming this video game perspective, but like this game sold really well and a lot of other people are playing it. What's kind of the, the mission structure like, uh, like from, from the perspective of somebody who maybe just wanted to pick it up to play it on their own time? Um, well, I've only played the career mode. There's like multiple different modes. There's like a free mode. There's like a mode that gives you like special weird ones, which I haven't looked at it at all. And I don't know. I think there was another one too, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but I've been playing career mode, so it just gives you different things to do. And there's like this wacky story behind. And so it'll give you a job and it's all kinds of different things. It's a house. Um, one of the early ones is a full-blown playground. Um, sometimes you get vehicles and you just have to clean them up. And then like story happens as you work on cleaning the like power washing the different things and the story is pretty wacky and interesting to see like how it all comes together because i'm at the point where it's starting to come together and make more sense um and yeah neat um how replayable are these different modes uh i don't know if the career mode is super replayable i mean it could be um, cause I'm having a lot of fun doing it in single player, but I feel like it could also be fun to do it in multiplayer cause there are multiplayer options. Is it like um, a kind of a score based thing? Like do you get scored on time or efficiency no. or anything or? It's just you, uh, well there's a mode for that. That's what the other mode is. There's a challenge mode that and... gives like every day there's a new one and you're like, you either have a, only so much water, you have only so much time, et cetera, et cetera, and you have to, like, do it the fastest or whatever. So it makes it more whatever. of a puzzle type thing. Instead yeah. Of <laughs> I haven't played it yet, though. I've gotcha. only touched career mode. Well, awesome. Glad that you're having fun with that. Um, Jess, do you want to talk about Urbeck? I can talk about that a little bit. I decided to try it because I was actually talking to Bellinier about it and he said that it's the best city builder he's played since City Skylines and I was just like ooh I'm kind of interested I haven't played a lot of city builders like strictly city builders and yeah it's pretty good so it's a city builder but it's the thing that it pitches as being unique is that you can build individual neighborhoods inside your city because you can take your initial buildings through different um, evolutions. Basically, you start off with a basic building and depending on what you put in its environment, it will evolve 
differently. And so you can make a city that has like a downtown and then you can have your shanty town and then you can have like your coal district and then your slums and stuff or like your wealthy area. It's just really, really neat. And it also includes like natural resource management. The mode that I played was normal and I didn't really have any, it was like normal difficulty. No, 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 I went on easy mode. <laughs> I didn't have any issues with resources in that mode, but it was, it was sort of neat. Like it also treated resources a little bit differently. So instead of like, you still needed wood and coal and whatnot and iron, but instead of I'm trying to, instead of money, you need labor. So you have to build houses so people will move in so you can employ them, but then you need different types of labor, like unskilled labor or skilled labor or educated laborers to be able to satisfy your buildings. So it was all in all like a very cohesive and felt very natural to make an expansive city. And it doesn't have the issue that something like Timberborn has where you have to have different districts. It was just, everything was connected. There was none of that um, like brain-breaking logistics stuff that turns me away from some other games and you don't have to worry about traffic. So it was like chill cities. This is really cool to me because the last city builder that I played that I enjoyed was City State 1, which was a very strange game made by one dude uh, and it runs in HTML5 for some reason. Uh, City State, it's out now. Go go take a look at it if you want. It's weird, but interesting. Uh, this, it, I actually have it. It's in my Steam library. I just haven't had the chance because like every video game came out last week and everything updated last week. So I've just That's been kind of slammed trying to once. work through the backlog. Yeah. So it's like, th this game for anybody listening, the full title is Urbex City Builder, which is spelled U-R-B-E-C uh, or B-E-K City Builder. Um, and there's also, there's no demo, but there is a prologue, which is still available on Steam, which is kind of silly, but you can, uh, go try that for free if you want to try it. Um, and Bellinaire kind of gave me the same talk. He was like, yo, this is the best city builder since City Skylines. And, but to me, it doesn't, I wouldn't even put it in the same category as City Skylines, because City Skylines is much more of a sandbox. This seems to be much more goal-oriented, something closer to like a SimCity 4 or SimCity 3000 even, um, just from looking at it. And I'm, I'm very keen to try it. It's it's neat seeing uh, like a bunch of different people play it. I think I, I will probably save it until the next time Bellinaire is going to be on an episode of the podcast so that I can talk to him about it, because he's, yeah. I think, like he's i think he's trying 100 percent the thing like every day i look at it it's like he's putting another 10 hours in. it's like oh boy um so like it it's clearly caught on with the, the people who like city builders and that kind of audience um but yeah anything else you want to say about urbeck or should i jump well in i was gonna one? say you're right i neglected to mention it but it is very goal oriented like when you start on a map um you have different achievement paths that you can go towards, like the path of leisure, like to make your city really accommodating of sports, or I think one was industry and then one was like greenery and sustainability, I think. And depending on which buildings you build and upgrade, that's the game will, will pick the path for you. Like which thing you approach, I accidentally un, like locked myself into the path of leisure because <laughs> I built too many soccer fields or something too many parks i don't know but then it just has you slowly check off small achievements for it so i don't know what finishing a map looks like i wanted to do that this week but then i started playing stray 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure we've got a lot of Stray to talk about, but before we talk about Stray, I've got another cyberpunk game to talk about real quick. This is a very short one. Um, I've been playing, along with most of my audience, uh, we've been playing a game called Cheese Runner. Now, um, Cheese Runner, I, I'm going to, to read, read this Steam description for you. Keep in mind this game is $2, well, $2.99. Play as a cheese runner, an underground trader of illicit cheese. Try to survive the, gr the greedy dystopia of a world gone mad. After a mysterious virus eliminates most of the livestock on Earth, humanity is crushed under the boot of corporate control. Providing synthetic foods, corporations now control the very ability to live for most of humanity. Against this oppressive corporate control and violent police state, a small segment of the population fight back, with food labs unable to synthesize uh, the core component of milk crucial to cheese making. The march of loved food um, has become... the, the much loved food has become banned under the guise of public safety. Brave ranchers of the underground rise and begin to produce contraband, this pe pre precious substance, but it's up to the cheese runners to distribute it. Um, so it's, it's a, un it's, did you, did either of you play Drug Wars? No. On Facebook in like 2008? Okay. No. So one of the most popular Facebook games in 2008 was called Drug Wars, and it was literally just like a buy low, sell high trading game between players and like the central server where you had to buy drugs at low prices and sell them in various parts of the city at higher prices. It just ran in Facebook, and it, it was one of the first like big hit Facebook games. Also, Mob Wars was another one which was similar, um, but... This is essentially just that. It's it's a it's an ASCII game. It's keyboard driven. You can use the the mouse. There's this great synthwave soundtrack and great synthwave like art and like tasteful writing throughout. But there's um, six different kinds of cheese that you can buy and sell from ricotta to gorgonzola, um, and you and cheddar and other things. And you go from zone to zone in the city by hitting one through six on the keyboard, and you buy at low prices, you sell at high prices, and there are random events that can kill you um, or steal some of your cheese or steal some of your money. You have to pay off the loan shark. Um, and you, the, the game lasts 30 days, and every single time you move to a different location, the, the turn moves forward, and the goal is to sell as much cheese as possible, to have as much money as possible so that when you get out, uh, you have as high of a score as possible. Now, the thing is, this game's three bucks, right? Um, and it's kind of dumb fun, and it kind of ticks all the right boxes if you like uh, betting games or um, like uh, like stock market trading games or like simple management games like that about buy buying low and selling high and all that jazz and making as much money as possible and making the numbers go up. If you like those kinds of score-based games, this thing's three bucks, and from what I can tell, maybe 100 people have bought it. So the global leaderboards are empty. So me and my entire chat are trying to take over the top 10 on the leaderboards. Uh, one of my uh, audience members has gotten number two on the leaderboard with the dev at number one. Only missed number one by like a million dollars in games. So we're, we're trying to fully take over the leaderboard. I'm currently number nine in the world. Edge. <laughs> so I don't know I'm if you want to sell cheese. There are no mice. Two thumbs up. Well, they're all dead, obviously. I thought you said it only killed cattle. Well, I mean, well, I mean, uh, there, there's a bit of a, there's more dialogue in game, basically saying that like everything except for humans on Earth is dead, and all the cattle oh. are on ships. They're called beef boats. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 a good time. It's it's silly fun. Cheese but, is an important commodity. 
Yeah, so are yeah. cats. <laughs> so, um, how do we want to do this stray bit? Because um, I finished stray. Jess finished stray. Suey hasn't touched stray. Suey doesn't want spoilers for stray. So we won't say any spoilers in this podcast. Um, I think the best way to do this is maybe Suey, ask us anything about stray. Um, Wait, we should explain it first. I mean, who hasn't seen Stray? I mean, come on. So, did you want me to? Do, who, who, okay. Do you want to do the the kind of basics on what Stray is, and then Suey can ask us anything about Stray? No. Okay. I'll do the basics. About you're what Stray you're is. you're so good at it. Okay. So, so Stray eloquent. is a third person light platformer, uh, a little adventure game about being a cat in a cyberpunk world. Um, the the game starts off, and you're in this beautiful kind of overgrown, weird thing that looks kind of like a power dam with your three kitty family friends, and you're going on a little run, and you discover really quickly there's a button to meow, and it's wonderful as you're walking around meowing, and then if you're me, you turn the camera at a funny angle, and one of the cats teleports on screen, which is very funny, um, because minor bugs, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I played the game right at launch, I think it's already been patched. Anyway, um, you, you run down, and then you fall into this cyberpunk city. Uh, separated from your family, and injured, you wander into this weird cyberpunk city populated by robots that don't know what you are and refer to you as the little outsider. Um, then it is your goal to adventure through this cyberpunk wasteland as an adorable little orange cat, uh, working your way out with the help of a robotic friend named B12. Um, it is adorable, to say the least, and it, it took me about 10 hours to finish it. Uh, some people are reporting play times of like six to eight hours. I've heard up to 15. Um, it's it's a Yeah, I think I player took like 12 to 13, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking that's, for a that's lot of... I'm streaming, you know, yeah. I talk a lot. <laughs> if you're looking for a lot of like hidden objects in the world, uh, it, it uh, can take a little bit of time. But um, with that behind us, Suey, ask us anything about Stray. Yeah. Okay, so in all the pictures, we see like a thing strapped to the cat's back, and you said that they start off in like the wilderness, not in the cyberpunk. So, like, is that something early in the game? Uh, fairly, fairly early. Um, I don't, I don't know how to answer this without too much spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fairly early in the game. Um, it's basically once you get out of the tutorial. You mm. obtain the backpack, and it is how you carry around B12. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And I, I, I want to, I can say more about it, but I don't want to spoil the, the magic of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, does anyone ever pet the cat? Because, you know, petting the cat is always very important in games. So uh, people pat the cat. There's a few cutscenes where that happens. And there are many uh, NPCs that you can nuzzle against their legs. In fact, there's an achievement <laughs> for nuzzling against all of them. Um, so there are many cute cat-related moments in that fashion. My Done. favorite moment was, what, I forget his name, but he said, I have the urge to pet you, and I don't understand why. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> there are, one of my favorite little cat-like things in the game, and this isn't a spoiler at all. In fact, I think there's a screenshot of one of them in the Steam page. Um, there are little dedicated spots where you press Y on the controller. I don't know what it is on the keyboard because I played with the controller. Uh, but uh, you press Y to just take a nap, and your cat will just curl up on a pillow, and just the camera will zoom out, and they will sit there and purr, and there's actually an achievement for sleeping in one place for an hour. Oh, did that's you, Did you find the, the couch guy in the last area? The couch guy. Yes, I did. The, the guy that you can... That was 
leap. And like snuggle with, that was yep. so cute. Yep. That was one of the most <laughs> catty moments, I would say. Um, but yeah, okay. no, I, I'm, I'm going to criticize Stray for a second here because there's something that really bothered me. The story's good. I like the story. It wrapped up nicely. Could have wrapped up a little more cleanly, I think, but it wrapped up nicely. Throughout, the story was pretty good. There's a lot of NPCs. There's a lot of robots walking around. Most of them have exactly the same dialogue. You can talk to NPCs and show them items, and the game instructs you this very early on. You can have an item in your inventory, and you show it to the NPC. B12 shows it to the NPC, and they give you some information about it. And initially, you're like, oh, that means I show all the items to everybody. And then very quickly realize, oh, they all say exactly the same thing. And yeah, that I was disappointing. That it was kind of, yeah, it's kind of a huge missed opportunity because, like, you, all of these robots, they have personalities. They're not, like, clones or anything. And the game emphasizes that they have personality and uh, a sense of self very clearly throughout the game. And it's kind of a shame that if they have a sense of self why don't you have something different to say about this sheet of music that i'm showing you versus the other person that i just showed this sheet of music to right and what i will say when i showed in the very first area when i showed them the the picture they all had a different voice line for it sure but that, I mean, was, that are... was like the only object that had a different as far as i'm aware oh and when when you showed them objects from the main quest, they had different voice lines, but like side objects, it was all the same. If, they, and even if side they're connected quests. to the main quest, they do. If they're not connected to the main quest and you show them an object that's a, connected to the main quest, they say, oh, you should show it to this person who will say something different about it. Only a real geek can read that. <laughs> so like, I, I, I literally went from like, like I, I'd take a quest item and I'd go up to a random NPC just sitting on the side of the road and show it to them. And they'd be like, oh, show it to that person. Or, oh, that person right there. Or, like, there's a there's a zone later on where you need to find somebody, and they give you, like, a visual description. It's like, oh, they're wearing this jacket and this thing, right? And you go up to literally every single person, you ask them about it, and they go, they almost all say, oh, he's hanging out in this spot. Or, mm -hmm. I don't know. And I kind of wish that they had more things to say. Maybe, like, oh, I know that guy for this reason. Or, uh, this, oh, that's a friend of my th friend person. I think they work there. I wish that there was just more variety in that writing, because... There's not actually a lot of writing outside of the main story. The game has no voice acting. It's all text. To me, that feels like kind of just a massive missed opportunity. Yeah, I can agree. But at the same time, I kind of like it when NPCs don't have a lot to say because otherwise I get bored really fast. But I think like a way that could have worked was to have, like when you first click on them, they say one or two things and that's it. But then if you keep interacting with them, having them expand on the things that they are willing to say to the player. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be mandatory content, but in a game like this, when it's like a, a linear thing where you play from end to end, I really like to be able to talk to multiple people and learn as much yeah, as I can about the world. It, it does sort of advertise itself as puzzly, light puzzly, but... It, is, it would have been nice to have more deduction. Yeah. Like, I, it doesn't need, like, I don't, I don't need, like, my puzzle adventure games to be super dense in things that I need to figure out. Like, not everything needs to be Return of the Oberdin, right? And I, I, I didn't go into <laughs> Stray kind of expecting that. 
Um, but I, I did expect more lore, I would say. Like, the game almost feels like it's got this language that the robots use, and I was really hoping that there would be a point where, oh, maybe, like, I get to find a cipher or something and, like, read the signs, or instead of just the robot translating them, or maybe, like, I'll actually have to translate things to be able to find a secret or something, and there was none of that. Like, it, it, it felt like there was... There few... was one moment where you had to translate something, but... Yeah, but it's it's part of the main storyline, and it's not really like a. How do I word this? It's not really a, a thing that the player has to do. It's a thing that the game does for you. Yeah. You know, like, I I I don't think did did you ever play um Fez? No. Because Fez is a game where you're screenshotting walls and then going to the game's equivalent of the Rosetta Stone and translating stuff, and I. I, I would really, I really wish that this game had something like that. Even if it was like something that B12 did for you, where it's like, oh, that, that means this. Maybe there's a thing over here, and like help you find secrets or something. Like make make the world feel a bit more interactive per se. Yeah, I thought that the world was really awesome, though. It was super yeah. atmospheric, and so I hear what you're saying about, um sort of having the NPCs and everything tell more of a story, but I feel like the atmosphere, or the atmosphere, the um, environment really does that for you, If you, especially if you wander around mm -hmm. very aimlessly like I did. <laughs> I, I, I certainly explored the different zones, and I do, I do agree. I think they did a pretty damn good job, actually, with the environmental storytelling. Um, one of the kind of uh, criticisms I've seen kind of levied at this game is actually a lot of the assets, especially in the open zone, are all purchased off of the uh, Unity asset, or not Unity, uh, Unreal Asset Shop, um, which is like most of the buildings, not not the robots or the any of the uh, any of the writing on the signs or anything, but a lot of the buildings and a lot of the zone stuff. And something I do want to applaud this game for is like, you know, people are using that as like a way to like say that it's inferior or something. But I just want to applaud the game because I think it uses those assets extremely well. I think like the actual layouts of the levels, especially like that intro zone, that kind of open area is extremely well designed. Like you come out of a zone and it's just like, okay, find this thing. And it gives you an image or a sign that you need to find to find the other NPCs that you need to find. And it's right in front of you. And if you've already been there, it says, but we've already been there, so let's go to this one on the left. And it 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 has these open zones, and I think that they are really well laid out, because there's no mini-map in the game, and the game has no UI. And I think that they did a very good job of laying out these different zones that you explore and pointing you in the right direction without having, like, you know, just like a dotted line on the ground saying, go here, like the uh, Grand Theft Auto game or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought they were very well done, too. Actually, I was a little worried at the very start because the tutorial was so linear, and I was just like, oof, is this going to be, like, a super linear game? <laughs> then you get to the the main area, and it's much more open, and I was just like, phew. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like open hub world, open hub world, and then it gets a little bit more linear towards the end, and then the game ends, basically. Yeah. It's like or it's got the 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 hub cities and then linear levels in between them. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a nice mix between like light linear storytelling and then also having the open world. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So is there anything else you'd like to ask us about Stray? Oh yeah, okay. So I was looking at the Steam page and the last image on it, the cat is like running away from these like fleshy creatures with a <laughs> yellow eye. Yeah. How does combat work? Like, because obviously these are enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> you uh, run. Is there do you stealth? Want to elaborate, Jess, or do you want to elaborate? 
<laughs> um, so, I don't know. We can kind of go together. I mean, early on, you just run. Yeah, you, you, run you start away. off by running. And then once you get the backpack, you get uh, another ability, which nullifies a lot of threats. And then the later threats are more of like a, you just kind of stealth. Um, I think in one of the trailers, they also show like these, the drones that shoot lasers at you. The thing about the drones that are kind of fun is one, there's a way of hiding from them, which I'm not going to spoil because it's really cute. But also, um, <laughs> the, the, the drones, they, they do fire, like they shoot lasers at you, but they're kind of on a delay. So as long as you're sprinting and kind of zigzagging, they'll miss most of their shots. Um, it's one hit kill. So if you do get hit, you're back to the checkpoint, but they're pretty generous about checkpointing. So it's, it's not heavy combat. It's more like stealth with a combat option, especially against those fleshy eye things. You do have a combat option against them. Um, but the uh, more direct enemies, which are like the drones, um, are more of a like stealth sequences. I, I really did like that, actually. What, the like how the game, the, the game progressed from having like one enemy to a different one. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just appreciated the the flow from one gameplay style into the other, like being going from evasion and melting to or pimple popping, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it kind of <laughs> goes like calling surprise, it, like nasty pimple popping for a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then and then you go like full on stealth kitty. I had a lot of fun with the stealth kitty levels. Yeah, and I died a lot, like a lot. There's an achievement for dying nine times. Yeah, I died nine times in the in the first area with the with the eyeballs. I I kind of did it yeah. intentionally though. I was like, I think I need to die like one more time. Yeah, okay, we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, another thing I kind of want to critique a little bit briefly is you can clip into walls. Be careful. <laughs> I, that didn't oh, happen to me. I went out of bounds five times. <laughs> um, the problem with going out of bounds is it's really hard to get back into bounds because the game doesn't have a jump button. So if there's no, like, nothing to jump to, it's impossible to get back inbounds. So there was a couple of times, especially in the opening zone, where I was like, I think I could clip through this wall. And then I walked into it and bloop, into the wall. Um, which means I'm very excited to see speedruns of this game. Uh, but also, dear, dear game developer, um, for those open zones, please don't just put in a save checkpoint when you spawn into the zone. Um, please, like, maybe have an autosave every five minutes for those open zones. Because it's real frustrating when you've grabbed a bunch of collectibles and sold them, and then you get stuck in a wall, and then have to revert back to a save an hour ago because you got stuck in a wall <laughs> because you were messing around. Um, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I knew where all the collectibles were, so it was just five minutes of going, grabbing a bunch of cans of soda and doing a bunch of other things that I had to do to um, get the collectibles and then move on to the next zone. But there are points of no return, and they do signpost them really clearly. It's like, oh, when you go through this door, you can't go back. Um, which is totally fair, uh, but I, I kind of wish that like in those open zones where you're encouraged to look for collectibles specifically, there was an autosave. Yeah, that's probably probably my biggest gripe is the lack of autosave. Like I, after I finished the game, I went back through to pick up the like some of the collectibles I missed, and I picked one up and was like, okay, great, I've got it. Now I can just exit back to the main menu. I was like, wait, no. It didn't autosave. It's a checkpoint. Oh, and then I had to go back through it again. Yeah. I actually went through it four times. <laughs> but... Yeah, the, um, the, the, the linear levels have really good checkpointing. Like, really good. It's the open zones that are kind of the issue. 
because you have to like go to the next story beat to get the checkpoint save. Yeah. And there's no way to save automatically or manually. One thing that it does oh, have that I yikes. would like to applaud them for is uh, when you do go to reload a save or when you go to quit, it says when the last checkpoint was number of minutes ago, which is really nice. So it's like, oh, mm -hmm. last save was 30 seconds ago. Cool. I can quit. Or uh, last save was five minutes ago. Okay, let's maybe find another checkpoint before I quit. Um, so that, 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 that part is really nice. I'm glad that they have at least that feature, but I would, I would like an autosave feature in that open zone. Um, Suey, pitch another one at us if you have any other questions. Uh, shoot, I didn't have another one. Um, <laughs> well, then I will just jump into stats real quick for a second. Um, so kind of, some kind of fun thing, a little statistics. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Annapurna Interactive, which is the publisher of this game. Annapurna Inter Interactive has been publishing games on Steam for, I want to say, since like 2015 now. Um, they, they're a film studio originally, um, and this is their, their games arm. And they very much have like kind of an aesthetic. Like if, if you'll know an Annapurna interactive game kind of if you see it, um, they are, they tend to lean towards kind of like the very high end indie games, the very well polished kind of shorter experiences usually, but their most popular day one release as of, uh, when, before Stray came out was their previous release, which was Neon White. Uh, it launched and had, it was like 8,500 concurrent players. Stray on release day peaked at 62,000. So this is their most successful launch ever. And, um, I'm not going to go into spoilers here, but what I will say is that I wish there was a little bit more at the end, and I would love to see another chapter in an expansion pack or something. I would pay $10 for another two hours of Stray. Uh, just let us run around after the game ends, because there is um, implications at the end of Stray that I would love to see expanded upon. Yep, absolutely agree. And obviously it's done well enough that, like, come on, guys. Like, you've sold a million and a half copies already. Like, just... <laughs> Give us some more stray, won't you? So, not bad for six or years. Or at least just a free roam option. Yeah, you know, just wander around the outside. That's all I want to do. I just want to see the sun with all your friends. Oh, yeah. So, we were you able to find anything else, or should we dive into news? Let's go ahead and go to news. All right, Sue, why don't you take us out and jump us All into the All right, guys. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what to say here because I never say this, but we're going to go ahead and go to a break right now, and we'll see you guys again soon for some news. Hi, Bilanar here. Thanks uh, for listening to our podcast again. I'm not uh, on the episode uh, this week, uh, but I'll be again uh, later uh, some of the other weeks. Uh, uh, but if you want to see and hear more of me, you can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash where I do all my gaming content, uh, also on youtube.com uh, slash TV for all the reviews and everything. And also I've been doing a lot of miniature stuff lately, all kinds of Warhammer and painting and modeling and so on, uh, and you can find those uh, on uh, Rikus Minis uh, on YouTube, uh, and same also on the Instagram if you're interested. But anyways, back to the episode and enjoy listening for the rest of it. And we are back. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> me, me, this, is, this is what happens when you have me do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, do the thing. But then. we're back. I am Suey. Um, this is Blind over here, the one who won't stop talking. And then Jess, the lovely. 
I, I like the nickname. Thank you. Just the lovely. Okay. Is this like a knighted like title that she received at some point? I've just efforts? been knighted. Thank you. Uh, yep. So what and, are people um, listening to, Suey? And uh, what are we about to do and talk about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, um, episode 27. And we are going to go into news and Blind is going to talk a bunch. That's Boom. what I do. Um, anyway, so uh, Discord <laughs> is coming to Xbox. This is something that's been, uh, I think people have been asking about this for a really, 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 really long time. Um, did either of you ever own an Xbox or use Xbox Live? Nope. Yes. Okay, well, um, their their voice chat was always a little, nah, <laughs> not great. Um, I do remember it, that, yeah. It, it, like, you could always, like, on old school Xbox Live, and even, like, on current Xbox Live, like, you can manage your friends list and, like, get into parties with people, but it's always been finicky and not great. Um, and, they and like, you know, as another example of consoles with voice chat, it's like, Nintendo has their solution as well, but it's, like, through an app. Uh, which is separate from your Switch, which is also silly. But um, Discord is coming to Xbox now officially, so they are partnering with Xbox proper. Um, and so in uh, not too long, not in the dis- not too far distant future, um, you will be able to uh, sync your, your Discord servers in- as part of the Xbox UI. So you'll be able to uh, scroll through different servers, join voice chats, uh, use the on-screen keyboard to talk, and um, just have the exact same Discord communities that you would on pc in a world where like a lot of consoles and games are getting crossplay uh between pc and xbox and even playstation in some cases like this makes a lot of sense for uh just games as a whole because you know who doesn't use discord right um i i don't think discord is a replacement for everything but it's definitely at least for like we're recording on discord right now <laughs> like discord is kind of like i think at the very least like our go-to voice and video streaming service um and in some and uh, uh chat service for a lot of communities and groups and like my family has a discord server so like this just makes a lot of sense because a lot of people are on discord already anyway uh, this expands discord's reach this makes microsoft a more appealing platform for a lot of people like i'm now slightly more interested in maybe purchasing a microsoft console in the future just because I already have a friends list now, and that I think I think that's cool. Anything you two want to say about this one? Nope, I think you covered it. I mean, <laughs> I haven't owned an Xbox since the 360. Yeah. And I don't know that I want to have another, but this is a cool feature. Mm-hmm. I even... grew up on. on Nintendo, so uh, the only time I've really used an Xbox has been like when I was at friends' houses growing up. So I never really got to experience like the Xbox online experience. It was always kind of clunky, but now it's like, it'll be clunky, but at least you'll already have a friends list there, right? And a more functional friends list too. I I would say that like the Discord contacts list ways is a a much more uh, usable setup of tools versus the old Xbox Live stuff. So um, you did mention Nintendo, which is uh, leads right into our next story here. Um, Jess, do you want to launch off with this one? Sure. So it came out recently that Nintendo uh, is going to be acquiring Dynamo Pictures, which is a Tokyo-based production studio. And I don't know that I've ever seen anything from them. (laughs) But it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know how you both feel about this. I was reading in the article that it sort of insinuates that Nintendo might be 
preparing to start pushing a bunch of animated uh, production with their IP, like in house. So Dynamo Pictures, uh, well, first off, they're they're based out of Tokyo. They primarily do they they do they do a lot of um, editions work for uh, other things. They do a lot of like 3D effects and stuff for other uh, mm -hmm. TV series that you may have actually watched. They're one of those things that's like the icon pops up at the end of the credits, but you never really know about them. They also they do a lot of work in anime. Um, so that's yeah. kind of what Dynamo Pictures is, it was based on previously, but they're being renamed actually to Nintendo Pictures, and uh, this deal closes on October third. So what I think is kind of interesting about this is like they. Um, they they are you know the the, the Super Mario Brothers movies in the works right now, which Illumination is working on. Uh, the creators of Minions and Minions and Minions and more <laughs> Minions. So those guys, uh, someone let them make a Mario movie, and um, that that you, you've seen the cast listing for that movie, uh, and it kind of seems like maybe they're tired of the memes of the poor casting decisions, and instead are just going to take over on their own time for future sequels and such. Um, I don't know. This is interesting to me because I it's cool to kind of see Nintendo go from just being like a games company to being more of a multimedia company because that's kind of what this makes them in a way. Um, and so just to kind of read a chunk from the article, to strengthen planning and production structure of visual content in, in the Nintendo group, the studio has a diverse portfolio of animation and motion capture projects under its belt and has done work for several games, such as Monster Hunter World and Death Stranding, and the studio has previously collaborated with Nintendo to animate shorts based on its Pikmin series. Um, you know, honestly, I, th this is, this is really exciting. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, this uh, is I, I did go ahead and look up, like, what Dynamo Pictures has done. Now, I don't know how, like, official this website is or anything. It's just, like, it looks like a fan website. But um, if you're curious, they've done uh, something for a Dragon Ball movie, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. They did production co uh, cooperation for it. They've worked on Evangelion 2.0. You cannot advance movie. They did modeling. Yeah, they've done One Piece, um, Resident Evil stuff, and uh, Yuri All Nice, everybody. Yeah, dude, Everybody's Yuri. I, I liked that. Mm -hmm. It's one of my top five faves. It was so good. I've never so seen good. a single second of it, but I know it exists. It's very beautiful. It's good. I liked it. Like, I've seen visually very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well... On the topic of things that are not visually very beautiful, Suey, do you want to <laughs> take this RimWorld UI preview? Yeah, so there was a, a console UI preview that was released recently, um, and it's for, well, it's for RimWorld console, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting because I'm looking at it, and it's very different from what RimWorld looks like on PC. Um, I, I get that they have to make it different, but... Something yeah. I think that's worth noting is this is done by Double Eleven, and this is an official video uploaded by Double Eleven. Double Eleven um, previously have did the port work for uh, several other games, but the one that I think is notable to mention that they did the port work for was uh, Prison Architect. So this is the people who did the the UX for Prison Architect. I was wondering how this was being done. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's an it's a third party porting house that's doing it. Uh, they have two studios, one I think in the UK, and then one in somewhere in East uh, in. In, in, somewhere in Asia, um, which they recently opened. Um, 
So I don't know, like, what, what's kind of your impressions of this this UI, Sui? I think the, that you're kind of the authority here, based on your uh, previous history with uh, Hot Potato and uh, the number of events that you've run. So, so, so what's your what's your impressions of this u- user interface? I think it looks a little clunky, but I don't really know if they could have done better because there, it's just like it's so built for keyboard and mouse of a game that it's kind of hard to make it work well for console. Um, the problem is, is like you have to, the way that you have to hover over everything looks kind of difficult to manage, especially because there's so much to have to hover over. It feels like if you were playing the game, it would take a long time to do things that take a very short time on, uh, keyboard and mouse. Hot take. I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's, I I think, I'm not sure it could be better. I'm not sure it could be better. The reason why I think this is good is because RimWorld is now coming to a market that traditionally can never play it, and subsequently, like a bunch of other titles, that this could be a a gateway for and a bunch of genres. And now you're sort of giving people the opportunity to try this out. And yes, while I agree with you that it would be really hard to play, I... I think that the way that, that the architect menu is condensed, like if you if you check out this UX preview, it just I it's an expandable menu, and then there's menus that you have to toggle, and I just I feel like it doesn't throw everything in your face. Like Rimworld, you open it and you're like, oh, there's so many buttons. What the heck is this bar at the bottom? <laughs> I feel fair. like it's just a bit a bit more like, easily digested. I, I think my kind of thoughts on this is actually pretty similar to Jess's. I think I'm maybe like in between the two of you. I don't like it and I wouldn't use it and I don't want to play the game this way. But <laughs> um, I, I think that it's really clever kind of how they've built these kind of context sensitive menus where based on what you're currently hovering over uh, different parts of the UI popped up, bouncing off of what Jess just said, you, you, you did kind of like mention that like the, the default UI, when you look at the pre, at the PC version, it's just like, here's a list of stuff that you have to look at and examine and memorize and know where everything <laughs> is and go through each individual menu uh, piece by piece over time slowly and just like dissect it all. Um, and then over time, just like familiarize yourself with the different portions of the UI. And then, but with this, it's it's very much okay you're building something okay then it pops up the thing and then I'll, uh, they then they suddenly have the opportunity to recommend stuff if you're like still doing the tutorial and things i i of course bouncing off what Sui said like yes it'll be very slow but i would kind of put this into the same bucket as like the prison architect port or alternatively the city skylines port both which have been very well received by their respective crowds and have also been quite successful i think the actual damn shame here isn't the like UI, I think it's just going to be the fact that you know it's going to be on consoles, so you're not going to have access to mods. But yeah, right. Whoa, I didn't yeah. even think about that. But aside from that, I think that this is a really neat gateway into a new genre of games for a lot of people. And Vanilla RimWorld has you know two thousand hours worth of content in it easily if you just sit down and play it uh, without mods. So it's it's definitely a game that you can sink time into easily without mods. Especially with the DLCs and everything else that the game has as third-party options. Plus, I feel like if somebody is putting enough time into console version RimWorld, if they are interested in mods, it's just a, it's an easy jump from console to PC. <laughs> it does not run on potatoes, but, you know, you can pretend. 
How the heck do you pronounce Mahjong? Is it Mahjong? Is it Moyang? Is it Mahong? I've heard all I three. Say, I say, Mo no, I'm not sure. Mahjong? <laughs> now you're questioning it? Mojang? Um, yeah, once at Mojang. I, so the, I, I used to always call it Mahjong. And then uh, at a E3 press conference, the lady called it Moyang. And now I don't even know. Uh, but um, so Mahjong, the developer of uh, the Lindy game Minecraft, you heard of it? This thing? Okay. Um, I, I think the kids like it. I I think Microsoft bought it for some reason a couple of years ago and maybe ruined it. I I don't know. Anyway, um, this little indie developer has come out, and um, I'm gonna drop the bad jokes now. This little indie developer has come out, and they they've put this big post up about NFTs. Um, called Minecraft and NFTs, an early look at our upcoming guidelines. And I think that this post is absolutely fantastic. I, I don't, have either of you read through this? Because this is awesome. I've skimmed. In short, it's heavily critical of the current state of Web3, NFTs, and the NFT market right now. And they're essentially putting forward and saying, you know, listen, large portions of our community is children, right? Like kids play Minecraft. And the way NFTs are marketed and used between rug pulls, scams, and overinflated prices, that is a very negative environment for a child to be in. And they fear that introducing or allowing or even permitting NFTs to be used alongside of their game is a huge issue for a younger player base, which is, I agree with. Um, and well, they also mentioned that it's, um, uh, doesn't really align with their philosophy mm -hmm. of making Minecraft accessible and making sure that everyone's playing on an equal, equal footing. Yeah. Because the entire philosophy of NFTs is let's lock things behind paywalls for reasons. Right. <laughs> um, and alongside of this, they've also stated that they're not going to permit, um, NFTs to be uh, used alongside of their game. So this means like minting skins, minting worlds, minting seeds, minting anything. Like you're not allowed to do that, which is really interesting because there's a huge project on OpenSea, which is everybody's favorite place to buy NFTs, um, apparently. Uh, anyway, there's this huge project on OpenSea called uh, NFT Worlds, which is uh, a series of Minecraft servers that are all blockchain-based. Um, the value of NFT World's NFTs dropped by 60% the day that this released and are continuing to plummet. And the, the founders of NFT Worlds have basically said that they're looking for alternatives outside of Minecraft as places that they can go with their uh, limited blockchain uh, skins and seeds and worlds and everything that you can, I guess, play with your NFTs if you really insist. Um, so I think that this is, I think this is wonderful. I think it's, it's really nice to see a company like Microsoft, even if indirectly through Mojang via Minecraft, just kind of putting a foot down and saying no. Yeah, no, I agree. I like it. I, I, it's like, no matter like where you stand with NFTs, it's just so sketchy right now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> who, who knows what the, what the future brings, right? But just, it's 
I, I say this from the point of view of somebody who holds Ethereum and has some Bitcoin and a couple other cryptocurrencies. I love the idea of Web3. I love the idea of cryptocurrency. I think it's a fascinating piece of technology. This is a terrible impl implementation of it and the worst possible direction that you could go with what NFTs are being used for right now. And it's, you know, like Web3 isn't going away and all those... Uh, crypto bros on the internet who say that it isn't going away and accept it now they have a point it's not it's not going to go away but it's not going to be like this and it's not going to stay like this and it can't stay like this and it takes big companies like Mojang to say no for people to actually listen and that makes me really happy yeah it's setting some boundaries so did you have something you wanted to say? Did I just cut you off or? No. Okay. I think no, that was good. sneeze. I oh. sneezed. <laughs> okay. For, I'm going lift to the, lift the veil for a second. Like uh, me and Jess both have cameras on and Suey doesn't. So I, I wasn't sure what, what was going on there. Um, Suey's allergic to NFTs is all? Yeah. Same as these, frankly. Um, oh, also fun little side note about NFTs. Uh, GameStop just launched their NFT marketplace a couple days ago. So if you want to dive in right at the peak of nfts and uh purchase nfts using the storefront that gamestop just launched with all of the money that people gave them with their stock inflation a little over a year ago now the with the yeah, meme that's stocks actually kind of funny but <laughs> yeah they, they went and spent all that money to make a crappy open sea clone that people are stealing stole stealing selling stolen games on from itch.io they've been downloading pico 8 games and selling them as nfts so they're already all gone as far as I can tell. There's like no reporting on it because like that stuff popped up and disappeared so fast. But man, I can't wait to see the financials of how much money they are bleeding making that thing. But something that won't make you bleed is, um, well, I mean, it might. Uh, so on the 29th of uh, this month, so just a, a few days after this podcast releases, uh, itch.io is uh, stealing Bandcamp's idea, and they, well, they've, they've done this once before, but they are doing a creator day. So uh, this coming Friday, uh, itch.io will not be taking a cut from any sales of games on their platform, meaning the creators get 100% of the profits. So if you've ever been thinking about, hey, maybe I'm going to go buy some games on itch.io, Now's the time to go do that. Yep. Which and then show up to the game jam afterwards. Which means I'm going to buy a bunch of Playdate games that day because my Playdate's supposed to arrive this week. Hopefully. Ooh, hype. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, maybe you can buy Mars After Midnight. Maybe. I, I actually, I, I did buy one game uh, for the Playdate the other day, which is a little, which you, which you can look up if you want. You might even be interested in this one, Jazz. Um, but uh, it's called Helios. Here, I'll, I'll link it in our little chat room here, um, which I'm looking forward to having a look at. It's called The Qu the Conquest of Hel Helios, and it's a light strategy game that kind of looks like a miniature brand strategy game, and I'm super excited to try it. It's got a little mm -hmm. map and, like, different countries with, like, different uh, army values, and you have to conquest and take over the whole world with little random events. It looks super cool. I'm excited to try it. Kind of looks like a board game. Yeah, kind of. And it's $3.50, so I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. Why not? So I've got that sitting in my uh, itch play inventory, but I'm going to stack up a bunch of games on uh, the um, uh, on the 29th. Are also, you going to... Oh. I was just going to say be... also on the 29th game jam stuff. But what? Uh, I was just going to ask, are you going to be streaming uh, Playdate games at all? Like, is there a way to stream it? So the it so the playdate comes with a um, 
a USB out or a USB mm. port, a micro USB port, which acts as a uh, the charging port, but also um, it acts as an in and out port. So if you plug it into your computer, um, it comes with built-in plug-and-play software that lets you capture the screen. Oh, that's sick. Well, now, isn't that nice? Yeah, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if every console could do that? So because the games are just for sale on Itch, and it's literally just like you open up a folder and just drag and drop into the folder on the desktop to install them. That's all you have to do. Um, and, like, so because you can do that, I, I have this, uh, ca this camera here on my desk, um, and I'm going to be pointing that at my hands so you can see what I'm doing with my hands with just, like, a screen up on the thing. So I'll have, like, a little hand controller and then, like, the screen, and, yes, I am going to stream them. Um, I'm also going to uh, make videos reviewing games, because why not? <laughs> Should be Ooh. fun. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll... does look really cool. I don't know if I'll worry about reviewing the whole season because, like, you know, all that stuff's out there, right? Like, people have been getting their playdates starting, like, I, uh, the very first ones shipped out in January of this year, so people have had them now for, like, seven months. So all the, all that stuff's covered already. So I might just stick to indie stuff um, on Itch because there's tons, you know? Like, there's, like, five different versions of Tetris out now. <laughs> Most of them are free. Okay. Um, as well as, like, tons of other neat little adventure games and RPGs and racing games and platformers and various other fun little things. So I, I will be digging into that and seeing what I can find. I look forward to it. Yeah. And Will you play, um, I forgot, Mercury After Mars? Mars After Mercury? I, I will definitely <laughs> play the Luke's Pope game, yeah. <laughs> okay, good, because I'm, like, I'm super interested in it because um, I really, really liked Return of the Oberdin. Have I told you that yet? <laughs> and now I, I, I'm, I, like, I, I really want to play this new game he's making, but I can't because I don't have a play date. I mean, just, <laughs> uh, just, just, just play Papers, please, because that thing is incredible, and... It'll keep you busy for a while. Yeah, true. It's good. Another, it's another thing about Papers, supported, Please, right? Papers, Please is a really good audience game, too, because it's a lot of, like, deduction and, like, because you, you, you get a person, right? And then you have to decide whether or not you let them in or not because it's, like, border control. And mm -hmm. it, it makes for fun interactions with chat. Although you kind of have to be careful about spoilers because, like, they are preset, right? So you have to be kind of careful. But there is a lot of interesting little interactions there. And it, it varies itself enough and it's random enough that it's, like... You, it's kind of like playing XCOM, you know, like someone can just spoiler you, but like also you can work through it with chat. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun game. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally interested. But at the time of recording, Halcyon Frequency is hosting a game jam. That's us. And we're hosting a game jam. We uh, are? The game jam itself is starting in just a few days here currently. And uh, we, at the time of recording, have 15 participants in the game jam. Ooh. It starts in six days, seven hours, eight minutes, and 46 seconds from now. By the time this gets uploaded, it'll be about four days, five days? Math. Uh, but by the time this gets uploaded, it should be about five days. Uh, it starts Friday on the 29th at like as, as the day begins and works until the August 1st as the day begins. So uh, it'll be a 72 hour long game jam. The host is Good Morning. We have requests about accessibility. There's a link down in the description of this podcast where you can go check it out. Also, there's links all over Twitter, most likely, and various other places. Uh, even if you're not interested in playing, maybe you can retweet or share or help us out or use the uh, hashtag, ha hashtag Halcyon Jam. And uh, we've got um, 
hopefully uh, a bunch of participants. And when games are done, we encourage everybody to play them. There's also a room on our Discord, the Halcyon Frequency Discord, where you can discuss the games that are being developed, the game that you're developing, or things other people are making. Um, but I think that kind of winds this podcast down to a close. I did have one question, though, about the game, Jim. Go nuts. Um, so the theme is good morning. Could you tell us more about that? Well, good morning. New beginnings. Start of a day. What does that inspire? <laughs> it's that just, okay, that open-ended. Yeah. That abstract. It's pretty abstract. It's pretty, like, I, I, one of my favorite Ludum Dares ever, the theme was living. Okay. So it was like a lot of people did like slice of life. This is my day type games. So because the theme is good morning, doesn't really matter as long as you hit the abstract idea of waking up in the morning. Well, cool. I'm excited to see what people come up with. Yeah, me too. And I hope we get a couple good submissions and hope people have fun yeah. during the event and hopefully we get some fun games out the other end. Of course, prizes are uh, the most popular submissions will be played on our streams. So we'll have announcements as to when those streams will be after the event is over. Um, of course, uh, the next podcast will be recorded during the event, so I'm sure we'll have something to say about it then as well. And uh, the one after, we'll probably talk about um, the event and postmortem. So look forward to that. At the very least, look forward to new podcast content. And I think that that brings this podcast down to a close. Suey, who are you and where can people find your stuff? I am Suey. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, it's Suey. On YouTube, it's Suey. Uh, and on Twitter, it's at Suey Streams. Um, also, I am going to be doing a stream celebrating graduating with a bachelor's degree. That is going to be on Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific, if anybody wants to join on in. It's going to be a subathon, meaning that uh, I will be full-time as long as the timer goes on. So that will be, I'll be streaming five days a week, seven hours each stream. Um, and also, I'll be starting a RimWorld uh, playthrough as long as my community gets the mod list together. Because I've tasked them with that. So, yeah. Is it is is it going to be the twenty third Saturday, no. or the sixth? Uh, it's going to be the thirtieth. Yes, I can read calendars. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like paused for a minute. I stuttered. I was like twenty third, sixth. Wait, but yeah, I, I I've been saying the thirtieth yeah, for ages. Is the thirtieth <laughs> on a Saturday? Nope, I just erased a week from our future. <laughs> Yeah, when this Probably comes out, it will be the upcoming Saturday. Okay. Just clarifying. Mm -hmm. Now, because I need to do this next, Jess, who are you and where can people find your stuff? Um, well, I'm Jess. Hi, Jess. <laughs> Whoa, Jess, on the internet. Uh, that has an underscore between the H and the J on Twitch, but on Twitter, on YouTube, it just, whoa, Jess, two, two H's. Actually, it's spelled incorrectly, or is it right? I don't know. Uh, I stream a lot of strategy, simulation, and management. I don't have any fun events coming up. That's a lie. This week I'm playing Cuphead. <laughs> We're going to be tackling the um, Cuphead DLC. Because I was supposed to do that like a month ago, but then I got sick. And here we are. So that's my event coming up soon. And... Uh... I'm blind, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash blindirl and youtube.com slash the same name. Um, if you, you, listening to this, want to help me, uh, buy Cheese Runner and help us take over the goddamn leaderboards because we want to get one through ten. So uh, buy Cheese Runner. That's, that's my platform. Also, play Dwarf Fortress. It's pretty cool. Um, 
If you want to find more episodes of this podcast, go to halcyonfrequency.com. Uh, if you want to talk about this podcast or ask us questions for the occasional questions episode, you can do that via our Discord, as well as that that's where you access stuff for the, uh, the game jams as well. Um, and uh, if you want to follow the team on Twitter, you can do that at Halcyon Megahertz. And uh, if this podcast isn't available in a place where you like to listen to podcasts, please tell me where you want it to show up, and I'll make it appear there. And uh, please share this podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Like on Stitcher. Uh, review on Podcast Apple? Addict. Send help. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. So thank you very much for listening this week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.